Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome along to the Rocky Road Rewind. I'm Kevin Byrne and I'm joined today by 9-0 professional boxer, middleweight contender, Quivin Agiarco. How are you doing, Quivin? Yeah, I'm not too bad, Kevin. Um, I'm just out of camp at the moment, taking over, um, doing bits and pieces. We know I did, so everything's good on my side. How's things? Yeah, not too bad. Uh, Quivin, you've fought once this year and no doubt you're chomping at the bit for more action. Yeah, definitely. Um, it's unfortunate that I've only been out once. Um but uh, we ha- I have spoken to my team and we were we were planning on fighting maybe September, uh, October time and then hopefully maybe one more squeezed in before the end of the year. Yeah. Um, big ambitions, looking at uh, looking at titles soon, I'm sure. Who, who's in your sights? Nobody. Um, I don't, I, everybody asks me this question and I'm like, it's crazy because I, I don't actually look at the middleweight division and say, I want him, him or him or this is a potential fight. Whoever's put in front of me next is put in front of me. Um, I don't go chasing fighters. I don't go calling people out. Um, there may be a stage in my career where I have to, but for now, I'm happy just progressing along. Um, I've decided that I want to go down the kind of European route in terms of like picking up a, maybe a WBA, IBF, WBC title and to get myself in the world rankings um, and going down that route to, towards the world title. But um, if not, then I'll go down the domestic route and, and have to wipe out that scene. Yeah, uh, either way, yeah, like because the Brit- British champion Felix Cash, he's a class act, isn't he? Yeah, do you know what? I rate Felix Cash very highly. Um, I think he's a good fighter, strong, come forward. He was well schooled in the amateurs, so um, he, yeah, I'd agree, he's a very good fighter. I'm interested, Quivian, in uh, how you how you turned professional in the first place, and uh, maybe the scene that you left behind. So we'll discuss a couple of those in the podcast today. Um. 2017 was like the year from hell for you and yet 2018 kind of some of your dreams came true so I'm interested in how things went from so low to so high so can you tell us about your 2017 first? Yeah do you know what it was a bit crazy because um, I'd uh, I'd I'd start off 2017 well um, I'd won a couple of competitions I went away to I fought for Ireland um, against England 
I went away then for a Ulster team um, to the Montana Belt. Uh, won that tournament, top tournament, and then obviously things got turned upside down. I got stabbed. Um, so I went. I had some very high, the highest of highs in 2017 to the lowest of lows, and um, a lot of things went on in 2017. I fell out with family members. I got stabbed. Um, I lost in the Commonwealth Games qualifiers. It was a, just a, a year from hell for me, and and then all of a sudden, 2018, everything started to um, be looking bright again for me. So um, I think, thankfully, I kind of stayed positive, kept my head down, and um, now I'm reaping the rewards. <clears throat> yeah, I'm sure not a day goes by that you don't think about like the day that or the, the night that you did get stabbed. And I, I don't know, like we've spoken before, and there's no doubt a bit of trauma lingering from such an event. It changes you for life, something like that, doesn't it? Like I, I've been been in car crashes and stuff like that. And you, you do think about them from time to time and what might have been and how close you came. Yeah, without doubt, it doesn't. it's something that's going to be <clears throat> going to stick with me for the rest of my life. Um, and I'm reminded every day by it because I wake up in the morning and I go to brush my teeth and I'm staring in the mirror and I've got a big six to seven inch scar down, down the side of my face. So it's something that I, I will live with. Um, I'm still, at, at times I still struggle from it mentally and um, I'm left with certain scars not just physically, but mentally. But listen, I'm a, I'm a positive person. Um, I try to n- not focus on the negatives in, in any situation um, and kind of focus on the positives and and realize that, listen, I, I'm, I'm still here. Um, things could have went a lot different. I'm still here. I'm still alive. And I've just got to push on. And if anything, I took away from that was that don't leave no stone unturned. Um, if you've got something that you want to achieve, Give it, give it everything, and um, you, because you you don't know when when your life can be turned upside down or or something bad could happen, and um, and then slower, I'd, I'd I'd have been dead, so I would have never been able to box again, and um, that kind of gave me some sort of wake up call to just give everything to boxing, and if it's if it's something that I want to make a career out and achieve great things out of, that I've got to give it my all. Yeah, and you didn't exactly hang around either, because in 2018. You've got elite title, World Series of Boxing, shop window, and then turn professional with Frank Warren. All three things happen in a very short space of time. Um, I want to talk about the, the Irish thing to Italy. I'm sure you're, you don't sound too hoarse celebrating Italy's European Championships win, but uh, Irish boxers and Italian, the Italian team have a, have a nice close link. Like You're not the only, you're not the only guy to, co- to go over to Italy to box for them, like Michael Conlon, Paddy Barnes, Tommy McCarthy, Willie McLaughlin. All boxed and won for the Italians. How did your link come about? Yeah, do you know what? Um, in in 2018, I uh, I was out and I'd won the elite at light heavyweight, which was yeah. a bit mad. Um, first time ever boxing a light heavyweight. Uh, I wasn't meant to end of the elite. Um, I had one one day training to make the weight. Uh, so yeah, do you know what? Um, I ended up winning the elite, going away for Ireland and in a international tournament. Um. Or sorry, in uh, in the national fight against America, um, and it wasn't a great performance in any way. Um, obviously, I was up at a weight that I wasn't really comfortable at. I wasn't the biggest, wasn't strong. And um, after the, the them two fights, um, Bernard Don had got a phone call um, off the Italian funders asking that would I fight a middleweight for them, and I couldn't really believe it because. They weren't great performances, and um, I was kind of thinking, why me? Because some of the lads on the team, and the, even the girls on the team, were, were putting great performances against very good fighters. So 
um, for me to pe- be picked, I was I was I was over the moon, and um, that was kind of the start of it, start of it for me. Do you know what I mean? I, I got that opportunity, and I grabbed it with both hands. Yeah, and and did you get well treated over there? How was your experience? Yeah, we did. We me me and my coach Mickey Hawkins went over. Um, we were well looked after. Um, I actually met Canelo's brother in the hotel. Canelo Alvarez, um, his brother was in the hotel, so it was a good trip. Um, we came away with a win, and we were treated well. So it was it was a great experience for me. So you turned professional a couple of months later. How exactly did that come about? Um, bring us inside the anatomy of a, a top amateur elite champion going professional because we've seen an awful lot of it in the last few years, way more so than we've seen in most Olympic cycles. Do you know what? My my one was a bit... It all panned out in the right way. Um, it's mad. Um, because after after I'd lost in the Commonwealth Games qualifiers, I'd always said to myself, if I don't make the Commonwealth Games... I gave myself a two-year plan in 2016. And I said, if I don't make the Commonwealth Games, I'm turning pro. Um, whether I go to the Commonwealth Games or um, or I don't, I'm going pro regardless. Um, so, obviously, I didn't qualify. And that was me. My, my stage was set on, on um, becoming professional. I had a couple of meetings with um, a couple of management groups and, and promoters and stuff. And you know what? The, the deal just wasn't there for me. It just wasn't the right deal. wasn't the right money. And um, my amateur coach, Mickey Hawkins, pleaded with me to to stay amateur. He was like, "You're gonna you're gonna send yourself away with no no money, nothing nothing put in contract, and for what? Do you know what I mean? Just to be be a professional boxer." So for me, it was I had to make a very very big decision, and my head was kind of scrambled. I didn't know what to do. Um, I then was convinced to stay amateur off by Mickey, and I won the lead twenty. Um, America and, and fought in the WSB and then after I fought in the WSB that's that's kind of whenever the offers started coming in um, I had Eddie Hearn and Matt Truman and then Frank, Frank Warren and um, Queensbury Promotions MTK were looking the same and stuff like that so I just sat down with them had a, had a couple of meetings and um, so back in the day I, back in the day Quibian, you might get a letter addressed to your house or someone might knock on the door or how, how do they do it now? Um, well, do you know what? I, I'd um, got in contact with my coach and I, Alan Smith, through Lerone Richards, and um, I'd, I'd plan on um, training with him. And he had said to me that some Frank Warren um, has heard about you and um, would be interested in, in sending you. Um, would you be interested in having a meeting? And I said, yeah. So it was the time that Carl Frandon was fighting Luke Jackson. Mm. And uh, they, they, had, they were obviously over here, so they had asked me to come down, have a meeting with them see what they're about. They, they brought me to the press conference and stuff like that and, and showed me how things worked. And that's kind of how I had, um, I had signed with Emmons because they had obviously approached me and we'd just set up a meeting. Yeah, so that, that's it. Yeah. Um, and like, so from Carl Frampton and Michael Conlon and Laroni Richards, I kind of hold them responsible for your professional uh, turnover because you see what happened to Conlon at, uh, at the Olympic Games in 2016. And I think, oh, I wonder, has that been really influential in a lot of boxers kind of saying, enough, I'm not sticking around for this? Yeah, definitely. Um, I mean, I've had my first year of um, unfair decisions in the amateur game. And um, there was a couple of times where I wanted to turn pro a lot quicker than I did. Um, but seeing seeing Michael Conlon um, be given a very harsh decision in, in the Olympics kind of made me question, what am I sticking around for? What am I putting all this work in for? Um, to be robbed in, in a championship, do you know what I mean? Um, it, for me, I, I looked at that situation and went, is it really worth it? Is it worth sacrificing 
all this training, um, being away from your family, living down in Dublin, stuff like that, and um, being on the team to go away to competitions and not be given, not be being judged fairly. So um, I think for me and a lot of fighters, it probably made their decision a, a lot easier to turn pro. Yeah, because like the, the list is is really long. I'm going to go through the list just because we're coming up to the Olympic Games very soon. And we've seen the makeup of the Irish team. It's it's pretty good. And I'm I'm getting around to be confident. And, I, and I'll ask you about your thoughts on their potential for progress now in a minute. So you've Brendan Irvine, Kurt Walker, Aidan and Michaela Walsh, Emma Brennan at your all weight of 81 kilos, Kelly Harrington and Aoife O'Rourke. I know that was only your temporary weight. but So like you look at since 2016, you're one of the top boxers who would have been in that program pushing for a place on the team who've turned professional so like the list of names and i got to credit my friend joe o'neill from irishboxing.com he's gathered the names and uh but like since 2016 like have a listen to the list it's ridiculous like so lewis crocker stevie mckenna brett mcginty john joyce aaron mckenna gary cully caitlin Phelan, quivin agiarco here sean mccomb pierce pierce o'leary callum bradley paddy donovan joe ward tiernan bradley jason harty Edward Donovan, James McGivern, Callum Walsh, Willow Hayden, Stephen Kearns, and Thomas Carty. And that's that's half of the list, really, of, of top yeah. boxers who've turned pro. It's it's incredible the, the drain that's taken place. I mean, you know, you know about your own journey and um your own ambitions to turn professional, but what do you think about the the exodus that's taken place from the IBA? Um, do you know what? It's very unfortunate because anybody asked me on advice. Should when they should turn pro, and I always say try and achieve as much as you possibly can in the amateur game. Um, have as much experience and fights as you possibly can, and learn everything on the way up. But yeah, it's it's crazy because I feel like COVID played a big part in people turning pro. Um, there was no shows happening in the in the amateurs. Um, there was no fights competition, so people were training or not training and not knowing really where their career was going. And I think a lot of people turn pro in the back of that. Um, but yeah, it's, it's crazy the amount of people that have turned pro um, because the, the pro game's not all what it's made out to be. It's a very tough, tough, rough um, game that, that it's, it's crazy that you, you think, oh, professional boxer, um, I'm, I'm a professional boxer, I'm going to the highest of height, but that's, that's not the case. Um, so it, it is... It is crazy to see some certain names turn professional, um, but I feel like they needed the support from the Irish Boxing Association, maybe with funding um, or being put on certain programs to to stay amateur. Do you know what I mean? Because once you become sort of some sort of adult, like you're 18, 19, 20, and you have to start providing for yourself, and and um, you're coming into the, the big bad world. If you can't, it's hard to be on the amateur team. I, I remember whenever I was only 19, 20, and I was um, living down in Dublin, uh, Tuesday to Friday, whatever it is, and getting paid, you're not getting, you, you can't work, do you know what I mean? So you, you've got no money, um, and then you're not getting paid off Irish Boxing Association. Maybe someone at your weight has already got funding, so you're not getting sent away to certain tournaments to, to get funded. Um, so I understand why certain fighters have went, went pro. Um, but at the same time, I feel like the Irish Boxing Association hasn't did enough to keep them amateur. Yeah, and just like you say, there, there just isn't enough money to go around either. Because I'm after listing twenty plus boxers there, and to fund all of those, and exactly. the current and the current squad that's there as well, it's it's probably impossible for the money that the sport generates. Plus, how disheartening is it to be 
like, you know, maybe to be a runner up, to be number two, and there's a guy ahead of you. And then maybe something like COVID happens and there's no chance to even challenge that status as the other person is number two, you're not going to get an opportunity, or the other person's number one, you're not going to get an opportunity to become kind of top dog. So I can see why so many people have turned professional from that point. Yeah. Yeah, without, and it's tough if you're number two or three, do you know what I mean? I remember whenever I'd won the Elite at 81, and then I went back down the middleweight for the um, WSB fight, and uh, I sat down with Bernard Dunn after, and I kind of said, listen, we don't really have a, a place for you on the team at the moment, because you moved back down the middleweight, but you'd won the Nationals at 81. Um, we're kind of going to have to just send you home, and um, if anything comes up, we'll... Who was top dog at middleweight at the time? At the time, I think it was Emma Brennan. Maybe was it? No, it was it was Michael Nevin. Um, right, Michael yeah. Nevin, Brett. So remember, it was me, Michael Nevin, Brett McGinty, um that were on the team at, at middleweight. Well, obviously, I was I was down as a as a light heavy, but um, I was sparring the middleweights because I, I wasn't wasn't yeah, a, yeah. a light heavyweight. Um, so obviously. I understood that them boys had won the nationals at, at that weight, very talented lads, but I felt that I could have fitted in somewhere, um, even been sent away to certain tournaments to, to get the experience at elite level, fighting regularly at um, international level, do you know what I mean? And I wasn't really given that opportunity. So it, it was hard for me and that made my decision a lot easier to, to turn professional. Yeah, and you just named Michael Nevin. That's another guy who's recently shown, uh, indicated he's gone professional. And that's... That is a crazy, 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 crazy move. I, I don't understand that. Yeah, I'd say there's a lot more to come out behind that. I'd say there's some sort of personality clash. I don't want to speculate on it too much here yeah. on the podcast. I'm sure that will, I'm sure Michael will make his... Um, yeah, will give his thoughts on the decision in due course. Like, uh, what do you think of some of the other guys around your weight that, like it's an exciting scene for the next couple of years, isn't it? Like I'm after naming 20 plus young boxers who've turned professional who probably all have like under 10 fights. And there's some seriously exciting names there. Like even from like the McKenna brothers and Crocker, uh, Pierce O'Leary, I think is training with you over in London. Is that right? Yeah. Uh, G- Gary Coley and Caitlin Phelan. Oh, so Pierce lives with you. So there's some, yeah. there's some scene coming up, isn't there? Like tell us about which, which talents excite you. Um, the, the Irish Irish boxing's booming at the moment in terms of the, the pro game. Um, do you know what? Gary Coley has impressed me a lot. Um, when he turned pro, like me, me and Gary's been on the Irish team since we were 14 years old. Um, and we've always been friendly with each other. And when he, when he turned pro, I, I kind of questioned, did he have the style for it? Did he carry enough power? And he certainly showed everyone that he, that he has. Um, I've been so impressed with him and I, he just gets, gets better with every fight. Improves with every with every fight, and um, I think he's he, he's he's gonna go a long way in the pro game. But the likes of um Paddy Donovan, the the McKenna brothers, Lewis Crocker, who's a very big puncher, um, and Piers like same same Piers, um, in the gym every day, living with me, and and uh, and seeing the work that he put puts in, and, and how hard he um or sorry how much he's improved. Um, he's he Piers Piers O'Leary can be a, a superstar fast boxing. Um, he's a great talent and um, he works extremely hard so um, I think the, the Irish boxing um, pro scene at the moment is, is booming with talent and um, there's a lot of great, great young talent coming through Yeah do you, think, um, do you think you and the people I've named there that have all turned pro, pro during this particular Olympic cycle 
will look on with excitement at the events in Tokyo as the boxers kind of fight behind closed doors, but still represent their country at the pinnacle of amateur boxing, the Olympic Games. Will you look on with some regret or will you just be kind of, I suppose, just happy for the guys that are getting to do it? Like I named, I named the team there a few minutes ago. It's a pretty good squad. Um, what, what, what will your thoughts be, do you think, when action starts in Tokyo? Um, do you know what? For me, that it was a, it was a very hard decision whether I stayed around for Tokyo or I turned pro. And I personally feel like I made the best decision because over the last three years, I've, I've kind of, or two and a half years, I've been kept active. Um, and I wouldn't have been kept active in the, in the amateur game. Um, it would have been hard to get on the team and, and be the number one um, and maybe not qualify for, for Tokyo. So I don't, I don't live with any regrets. I feel like I made the, the best decision for my career at the time. Um, but a part of me will always... Um, a part of me will always feel like I could have achieved a bit more and maybe I should have stuck around and went to try to qualify for Olympics because that was always my my dream as as an amateur boxer and as, as a boxer in general and as a kid growing up I wanted to represent Ireland at the the high stage and that's yeah, the that, Olympic that, Games that club that you come from Holy Trinity as well like that's exactly that's act, that's the Olympic kind of Hall of Fame of Ireland almost it's up there with the, with the greatest clubs in Ireland and the pedigree that it has, the people behind the scenes and the former boxers, incredible. Yeah, without doubt, I always, like we have a memorial in the in the gym of um, Brian McGee, Damien Kelly and Jerry Hawkins, the three Holy Trinity lads that represent Ireland at the Olympics. And um, I always said to myself, I'm going to be on that wall one day. And unfortunately, I never achieved that and never put myself up there. But um, I'll, I'll be still watching the Irish um, women and men and I'll, I'll be supporting them, cheering them on and We've got a very good, strong team and there's no doubt that they can bring a couple medals back. Have you done many rounds with the two people that are kind of in and around your weight class? You'd be looking at Aidan Walsh, Emma Brennan. Is there any secrets you can tell us about them if you have? <laughs> Do you know what? I have a... I actually, the last one I sparred was Emma Brennan. I actually um, did a, a, some sort of exhibition spar with him um, maybe last year, a year and a half ago up in Holy Trinity. Um, and we, we, we've had some good, good rounds of sparring. Um, Emma's a good lad he's very strong probably not the most talented on the team but works very hard um, like I said he's a strong fighter and he deserves it he's been around a very very long time a very very long time and um, I'm, I was so pleased from when I when I seen that he had qualified and um, I hope that he can uh, do the same out there and, and keep on putting on good performances and uh, and hopefully bring home a medal Aidan Walsh is is a lover guy I've, I've sparred and I think he's the one to watch out there. I really do. I think I used to, I grew up with Aiden kind of, we, we used to run about with each other when we were kids. Aiden was class at, at young, underage when he was 11, 12, 13. And then he, his career kind of got stalled. I think he had a couple hand injuries and he lost a couple of times in a couple of Irish finals and wasn't really boxing. And then he, he kind of came back and, uh, and then just took off, just kind of took off and, um, it's been it's been unreal to see him and he, or him and uh, Michaela do so well as a brother and sister. Um, I think they're the first to ever qualify. Oh yeah, first boxers, first boxing brother and sisters to go to the games. Which absolutely, is, yeah. Which is an unbelievable achievement. I'm so happy happy for them and their family. And um, they seem Michaela, really, really, really obsessively dedicated to boxing. Oh yeah, whenever I've been on trips with both of them, um, or just knowing them in general. Like their dad's always down to the tee, always training as hard, putting that extra mile in. Um, and they're a credit to 
their club and their family. Do you know what I mean? They, they've put the work in and now they're reaping the rewards, qualified for Tokyo Olympics. And I, gen- I genuinely think both of them could, could bring back a, a gold medal. I think, I think Aidan Walsh is a, a super talent. He's very, very talented. Yeah, a little dark horse coming up because obviously two uh, two boys from um, kind of in around Belfast, like Brendan Irvine, Kurt Walker, they're they're going to be looking at podium places as well. Like, I mean, there's 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 good chance in this team. I, there's not much public excitement about this team as there was for the London 2012 crew, the the Rio 2016 crew, which I still think is probably the most accomplished boxing team we'll ever send to a tournament ever. When you consider the talent that was in the team, like Barnes, Conlon, Ward, Katie Taylor, and everyone else, like. Yeah. I don't think we'll top 2016, but there's there is a serious medal chances in this team. You've got Kelly Harrington, um, top seed, you know, looking at gold, nothing else. Michaela Walsh has a great chance of topping the podium or getting on it at least. You've named Aiden Walsh as a dark horse. Uh, Kurt Walker and Brendan Irvine have a great chance. And Aoife O'Rourke is a smashing boxer, tremendous middleweight. So yeah, there's a great, there's a great chance if they get a lucky draw. If it, if they get a lucky draw, you know, boxing could be booming again. Yeah, without doing, I think you always need a bit of luck. You always need that that maybe not that no fight's easy because you've got to get in there and you've got to perform regardless you've got to perform under that that pressure um but an easier fight than than most um to to get you going you need that luck but like you said listen we've got we've got a great team i feel like they aren't getting the um applaud that they should be from the from the media or the irish people i think everyone should get behind them and, and should be supporting them fully uh but without doubt they can bring medals home um Kelly, I've been away on trips with Kelly Hartman. She's an unbelievable talent, unbelievable fighter. And I, I rate Kelly very, very highly, not even as a fighter, but as a person. Um, she's she's one that I would definitely have down for bringing a gold medal back. Um, the, the two boys, uh, Brandon and, and Kurt Walker, sensational talents. Um, obviously, Brandy's been to to the Olympics before, Commonwealth Games, just like Kurt Walker. And they, they've medaled at, um, big tournaments for the for the years from from junior level right up to senior level. So they're talented fighters and they've they brought medals back and they're still at the highest of the amateur scene. Um, and they've they've kind of kept that since they were fourteen fifteen years old. And there's no doubt that both of them can bring medals back. But like I said, it's about um, taking one fight at a time. Hopefully, getting the luck of the draw and um, and just going out there and, and performing under the lights. As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. But a deep voice doesn't sell B2B. And advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. LinkedIn has the targeting capabilities to help you reach the world's largest professional audience. That's right. Over 70 million decision makers all in one place. All the big wigs, then medium wigs. Also small wigs who are on the path to becoming big wigs. Okay, that's enough about Wix. LinkedIn ads allows you to focus on getting your B2B message to the right people. So, does that mean you should use ads on LinkedIn instead of hiring me, the man with the deepest voice in the world? Yes. Yes, it does. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash results to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash results. Terms and conditions apply. 
If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at lifelock.com slash aware. Yeah, of the fellas out there on the team, which one would you least like to room with? Who would I least like to room with? Um, oh, I'd say Kurt Walker probably. He's a bit of a messer. And I've room with Kurt and the Europeans and, and a couple of... Uh, Turner's four Kurt. Kurt's a bit of a, a joker. So I'd say Kurt, you know, Brandy, Brandy's quiet. I've never, Emmett's quiet. I've never really, um, had a, shared a room with him. And I've, I've shared a room with Aiden, I think, once or twice. And he's quiet. So I'd say probably wouldn't want to, want to be in Kurt's room. <laughs> you probably end up just sparring Emmett at all errors. Uh, what's, <laughs> yeah, exactly. what's, what's, what's Pierce like to live with? He seems like a kind of quiet, focused, dedicated guy as well. Yeah, Pierce is. Um, he's a. So he goes to bed great, at seven o'clock, does he? Yeah, he's a great chap. Do you know what? He he goes to bed early enough, and he's he's up at six o'clock in the morning. Um, he does breakfast, and and then off for a little walk or a run or something like that. Um, yeah, he's a very de- dedicated lad, and do you know what? it's tough on him because he just had a little child not that long ago, maybe eight months ago, and the out of the eight months, he was telling me that he's only really had the, a month or two in full to, to spend with her. So, listen, he's a 20-year-old 20, 20 kid that's sacrificing a lot um, and he's, he's moved away from his comfort zone. I gave him the best advice that I possibly could at the time and um, and I kind of helped him out so he can come over and live with me and if he likes things, he obviously he could stay. So, he um, he came over and he, he's, he's enjoyed it ever since and he puts he puts the R's in, in the gym and, um, and he's reaping the rewards. I think he's six or seven in Ona and um, he's getting the He's getting the attention that he, he should be getting because he's a great talent. And I think that last fight, that knockout was just was unbelievable. Um, and that was terrifying. terrifying. I kind of, yeah, it was terrifying. I think it, it silenced any doubters that question, can he punch? We've got to remember that he is only a 20-year-old kid and he is he has came, came out of the amateur scene with a, an aggressive style that, and, and known for being a big puncher. So um, I think at the start of his career, people question whether he could punch, but I don't think they have to do that anymore. Yeah, that, yeah. That, knockout, that knockout was incredible. So you kind of like a big brother to him at the minute because when we spoke a year ago and we did a big two-pager in the paper and, you know, you talked pretty candidly about the kind of depression you'd been suffering. You thought you still had trauma from the incident in 2017. 
And it was lonely. You know, you talked about your loneliness and it was pretty admirable. You're out there willing to admit it. This is really difficult. I'm living in London away from home and it's really hard. Has Pierce there, being there made it more, has it Pierce be, there, being there made it easier for you? And do you think you've kind of helped him with the same situation? Yeah, without doubt. Um, I think having a fellow Irishman um, over with me, uh, training, do you know what I mean? We're both on the same path and we both have the same goal and that's to be at the top of the sport. So, it's it's kind of it's good to have someone there because when you're not feeling motivated or you want, you have down days, you've got someone else there to kind of spur you on and, and lift you up. So it is it is good to to have um, peers there. And I, that's not I I'm kind of one of the senior guys now in the gym at twenty four years old. Um, it, it's crazy to say, but all the senior guys have kind of moved on, like Bradley Skate, Johnny Cotton, Johnny Coyle. Um, they've all moved on and um, I, I've been made team captain in the, in the gym so I've got some sort of responsibility and um, any advice that I can give to the boys I try and help out well, I, I watch all the spars and um, watch them on the pads or doing the bags and I, I try and give the best advice if they're doing something wrong or they should something that they should be doing or that they, should, they can try and work on I try and give advice to them and, and vice versa I, I, ask, I ask all the boys in the gym if, if you're watching the spar and you, you feel like there's something that I do well but I don't do it enough or I'm not doing something correctly or I need to, I need to be doing something um, to give me your feedback and, uh, and, and, and let me know because I think that it, that's a big part of being a team. Um, everyone says boxing is a lonely sport and it is at times you can, you, boxing can be very lonely, but especially professional boxing and you're the only, you're the only person I know that can fight for you. But I feel like it's great to have, it's a very important, sorry, to have a great team around you and, um, not only coaches, but teammates where you can bring each other on and learn off each other and give each other advice. I didn't even know James had team captains. I knew obviously there's always a kind of senior pro around who gives people a bit of advice, word to the wise. And, you know, there's all these kind of characters, jokers, masters in, in boxing gyms and people have their roles, but I didn't realize that you actually had official, like kind of like team captains. Yeah. Well, I'm not too sure with any other gyms, but um, in, in I box. <laughs> no, you don't. You don't get an armband, unfortunately. But in uh, uh, in, in the iBox gym, um, Alan, Eddie, and Paul, um, they uh, they like to pick a team captain, someone that can um set a standard for everybody else in the gym. And and um, thankfully, I've been I've been given that role. And um, me and me and Archie Sharp are the two senior guys in the gym at the moment, and we've got to kind of lead by example because we we have a very very young talented squad. You know what I mean? Like you got mm. Dennis McCann, uh, Dennis McCann, and and uh, Piers O'Leary, they're only 20 years old. Henry Turner, I think he's only 1920. Michael Burks, 1920. Um, and then you've got Sam Notes, who's 23 or something. So we, we've got a very, very, very young team. Um, so for me to be made captain yeah. at 24 is like crazy. But yeah, a, lot of, a, lot of, a lot of pressure on your shoulders. If those young talents don't go all the way, you're going to get the blame. <laughs> yeah, that's it. You know what? Um, you know, it's, it's good to have that responsibility. Do you know what I mean? It's, um, it shows my character. and. Um, and stuff like that. So um, I, I take it, you know what I mean? We, we've got great lads in the gym and we all help each other out. So um, yeah. it's it's great. Well, 23, but you've kind of lived a life. Um, I want to ask you, what goes through your mind when um, like you're watching, like we're talking about, were you up for Italy against England, by the way? Was I up for what, sorry? Were you up for Italy against England or England? Yeah, 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 yeah of course. <laughs> you're an Italian, yeah, you box for Italy, it's fair enough. Do, do, just, do you know what? That's, that's a tough one for me because I was born in London. Yeah, you've I was got born, links. I was born. I was born in London. Lived there until I was seven, eight years old. Um, I'm I'm Irish through and through. Um, I will never anyone that calls me English or British, I I go mental. 
Um, I, I'm asked for him through, but I've got links, sir. Um, and do you know what? I support an English team. My, yeah. my point to, to everybody is like, I support Manchester United, so why is it okay for me to support United but not want England to do well? We've got three, four players that play for that team. Um, well, I also understand the reasons why. Well, I guess um, the Irish people don't don't support England, and like I'm sure you felt it, and, and I felt it. Like you see Rashford stepping up, and I just my heart sank. I thought, oh no, I thought like I, I wanted Italy to win, and then my heart betrayed me at the last minute when I saw Rashford walking up. I thought I do not want Rashford to miss, and they he did. And um, up next is Sancho, and you're like, please don't let him miss, and then he misses, and then you, you see Saka walking up at the end, and it's it's another English player that you don't see miss from the penalty spot. Um, what goes through your mind when you see these guys walking up and taking penalties? I suppose, g- given, you know, a young black sportsman, you know full well what this is going to lead to. Yeah, do you know what? Um, I, f- I think it's it's a tough one. Do you know what I mean? At, at that level, you've got to take some sort of responsibility. You're a professional athlete and you, you train for stuff like that. But to leave the responsibility onto um, the younger member of the team is is not for I don't think because there was Sterling, Jack Grealish, other players that could have could have took them penalty kicks and um maybe things would have went different. But I feel like someone like Marcus Rashford who's um who's been in the United team since he was 17, 18 years old and been been in big games, took a penalty against PSG to send us through and stuff. So I mean he, he's used to used to the pressure of that but he hasn't had the playing minutes. Um with England so I don't, I don't think it was throwing him and Sancho to just be brought on to do a job whenever you didn't believe in them at the start to do the yeah. job do you know what yeah, I mean so, absolutely yeah um, yeah. I don't believe in you to win the match for me just come on with 30 seconds left nonsense with me the game do you yeah, know what I mean nonsense. so I, I felt like that was bad management um, but listen everything happens for a reason um, and then you get the consequences of them missing the penalties and being racially abused um, which is just just unfortunate and I'm very poor from from the English fans, but just the the world we live in. It's it's disgusting, and um, like you, I'm sure it's something you've you've experienced in your life before. We've spoken about it before. You know, it used to be that people at least had to have the balls to be racist to your face. Like at least they had to, you know, put up with yeah. this could this could blow back at me. You know what I mean? I have to have I have to show up at a football ground and be racist with my own voice and then other people will see me as a racist but now the just the invisible cloak of social media it's it's far more poisonous so I, I, I think personally but I don't, I don't know how do you feel about it as, as someone who's suffered you know from race someone, someone who suffered racism during your life yeah do you know what um, I mean as of yesterday I, I was I woke up and was racially abused I mean I'll, I'll mention no names but um, well, I was was abused and um, it was unfortunate, and they, and they did that publicly. And obviously, they got <laughs> they got a lot of hate for it on on social media. But um, when you've got people hiding behind fake accounts and social media accounts, um, just being allowed to come on social media and, and absolutely basically abuse somebody, um, it's it's just not fair. It's 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 just horrible. It's disgusting. Do you know what I mean? Um, one minute you're you're supporting them, and then whenever they're doing well, and then the next year you're basically abusing them because they're not doing so well. So it's um it's very unfortunate. I feel like something has to be done about it. I think social media platforms need to take action. And um, I mean, they've made it so easy to to notify us about COVID whenever you post something about COVID. Um, 
why can't that be done whenever somebody's um, being a racist? Premier, you know Premier League clips. If you post a, a pirated video of a good goal, like it'll be taken down within 30 seconds. They'll say this is this is copyrighted content. And, uh, you know. Exactly. So, and I feel like social media platforms should take action and being able to identify um, the racists, you know what I mean? They're, they're hiding behind um, fake accounts. And I feel like social media platforms should put in place somewhere where you have to identify yourself to to be on a social media platform um, because that's the only way that you're going to identify these people and then proper action can be taken. Um, so, yeah, it's unfortunate, but like I said, it's, a, it's the world we live in and I feel like something needs to be done about it. Like football has taken a cent- central role in the kind of culture war that seems to be engulfing Britain and the footballers taking the knee it's a brave act when you see that like football fans haven't been into grounds for 18 months and then they're suddenly left back into grounds and they boo their own team for taking a knee. It's absolutely it's insane. It's absolutely um, crazy. How did you feel about the footballers taking a knee? Did it did it stir up some divisions that did it did it encourage people to be kind of more vocally, you know, anti people taking the knee and kind of in turn a little bit racist towards black athletes? Yeah, do you know what I feel like it- with certain fans, it has made people be a, a bit racist. I know that the Millwall fans don't don't stand for it, and um, they they don't appreciate people taking taking a knee. And I feel like it, it's something that should be done. I mean, you're you're representing something. You're 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 taking a knee and letting people know that you won't stand for racism, and and you 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 want something done about it. So I feel like it it was the right approach, and it and it should be the right approach. It should mm. be continued for. Until it until this is kicked out of out of sport or so we're kicked out of the world in general. I don't I don't think it ever will be, but um at least we're there's some sort of movement being put in place to to help the situation. But um I do feel like as well it has had its negative um side effects where it has made certain fans more racist. I, I kind of feel now I'm I'm not the uh, I'm not I haven't suffered the consequences of it, but I almost feel it's it's almost a good thing to draw out the right, you know, draw them out. If you're if you're opposed to this, well then why are you opposed to this? And it kind of draws people out of their kind of comfortable racist positions. But I don't ask you too much of a leading question, but Marcus Rashford, what a guy. Like he's he's turned, you know, the greatest he's turned this misfortune on a national stage into a win for himself again. And he's just an incredible guy. Have you met him? Funny. I've never met him, you know. Um, and you know what? I've actually got a couple links, um, a couple sponsors that have a couple links that with the United team. I actually got a same plug with shirt now and stuff. And I was meant to go down and, and meet them all. So hopefully that that comes off. But I've never met Marcus and uh, what a guy, what a role model. Um, and to to take that kind of responsibility on at, at such a young age just shows his character. And um, and someone like him doesn't deserve to be racially abused. You know, I mean, he's did so much for the for his own community and for the world. And, a reason I, I can't remember the, the exact figure, but it was millions of pounds for for um for school meals and, and kids who are less fortunate. So someone like him who's doing a good deed for for the for his community and the, and the English people doesn't deserve to be racially abused after missing a penalty. Do you know what I mean? Um, it's it's at the end of the day, it's just a sport, it's just a game, and um nobody deserves that. Well, hopefully the outpouring of kind of love for him in the last few days and for Saka and for Jaden Sancho as well has kind of proven that love will trump hate and uh, these people won't win. Yeah, definitely. And I feel like um, everybody's kind of standing together and, and rightly so um, and showing their support for the free lads. Um, I think at a time like this, that it's when they need it most, you know what I mean? As if they don't feel bad enough for for letting their na- let they'll feel like they, they let their nation down. But 
not only that, that now that their their nation's not even standing with them, do you know what I mean, and supporting them. So they'll be going for a tough tough time at the moment, but I'm sure they'll bounce back from it and um and continue to to go on and have very successful careers. But um something does need done and people do need drawn out. And I feel like social media platforms need to put something in place where it, it's easy to identify who these racists are and um and draw them out because I feel like when they do when when that happens, they'll they'll think twice about making racist remarks because they've got things on the line like their job and, and the way people view them and and stuff like that. So they won't want to come out and and basically abuse somebody because they know that they can be identified and that's going to affect their life. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, and all too often, like alcohol and cocaine, it can't be used as an excuse. It just can't. It's uh, do you know what you, know, you have to stand by your actions. What about that? Um, I'm I'm. I'm uh I'm I'm for that. I don't think there's any excuses that can be given to to justify you racially abusing somebody because it's it's just it's it's just not right. But I do think to a certain extent if somebody's going through mental health issues or haven't been educated on the matter correctly, that they do need help and, and um and it's something that you can see that a lot of people who aren't mentally in the right frame of mind, um that they they do come out and do these certain things, but it doesn't justify that. But also, they they do need help. Yeah, no, I fully agree with you as well. And so generous of you to say so as well, like, given the current circumstances. Before we let you go, I just I want to ask you one last question, and it's been brilliant having you on so far, Cuevin. So thanks very much. Uh, you said at the, you said at the start you don't like to go after names; you like to focus on yourself. But you're not getting off so easy. So maybe you're looking at the continental route, you're looking at maybe avoiding domestic level in, in Britain or whatever, but in a hypothetical situation, I'm going to name four Irish middleweights who are ranked just probably a little <laughs> bit ahead of you, just a little bit ahead of you, and they're at different stages of their careers, and uh, ask your opinions on who would win a fight, you against them. Just a little uh, objective viewpoint. You can take yourself, remove yourself from your own body. So right, top of the tree, Jason Quigley. Um... Do you know what Jason? Jason's a very good fighter. Um, I've actually been asked to go down and spawn a couple of times. I haven't had the opportunity to, to just yet. Um, just with camps and stuff. But listen, Jason's a very good fighter, very talented fighter. Had a very successful amateur career. I don't think his pro career has took off as much as everyone thought it would have. Um, but do I think I beat Jason Quigley? Ta- talent wise, yeah. I think. I think I'm more. Skillful. I've got more to offer in terms of being able to fight in the front foot, back foot. I've got speed. I'm 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 strong. Um, I like to use my footwork for a lot of the, the certain fights. And um, so yeah, I think right now Jason's probably ahead of me in terms of experience ways and and where he is in his career. But it's definitely a potential fight and one that I'd be open to down the line. Um, but I beat him. Okay. Um, someone coming off a world title loss last year who's looking to kind of. Make- re-enter the sport again at a high level Luke Keeler Luke Luke's Luke's style is funny because he, he's he's got an awkward style um, and at the start of his, his professional career um, obviously he took a couple of losses um, but I feel like just I just feel like timing's everything and right now I don't I, I can't see anybody beating me um, I, I just up, feel like I'm, I'm coming up in the, not that he's on the slide but He's been inactive. Um, he's he fought at he's fought at the highest of levels at, at that you can in boxing. Now, unfortunately, he come up short. So, um, 
it, it is what it is. But I feel like I, I also beat Luke Keeler. Um, domestic derbies, uh, possible, you know, in around the same level. Conor Coyle, Conor Cummings. Would those be, those be fights you'd like to take if they if they came up? Yeah, definitely. Um, I mean, nobody knows this, but uh, we we offered Conor Cummings the fight twice. Um, for whatever reasons, he didn't accept it. Um, at, at that stage of his career, I think he had he had just been beaten by Luke Keeler, or not? Yeah, I think he'd just been beaten by Luke Keeler, and then he, I think it was just before the. The Danny Dignam fight, we we offered him it, and he obviously took the Dignam fight, and then we offered him again after that, and he turned it down. So, um, that, there are definitely fights that um could be made. I mean, I'm fr- very friendly with both lads. Um, Conrad came from uh obviously boxing only turning in. He was somebody that I kind of uh watched very closely because I knew I'd be in and around his weight, and um and kind of looked up to as well. Um. Seeing him come through and, and winning, I remember winning him winning the under twenty twos and fighting uh, Don O'Neill and Jason Quigley and stuff, and um, always I was always supporting him. So um, we we've we've had a couple of sparring sessions in, in Holy Trinity, and and we know each other stairs very well. But they're two very winnable fights for me. Um, I've actually Conor Coyle actually messaged me regularly for sparring, but I just never I've never sparred him, and it never seemed to work out for some reason. But um, I'm I'm sure that one of them lads I, I could meet meet down the line. Yeah, save it for under the lights. Well, look, hopefully yeah. we'll see you soon to make a ten and zero. Uh, tell Frank Warren get the finger out and get you a few more fights. Start banging okay. on his door. Get it done. Yes. Well, that's one thing I'm going to be screaming for is to be to be kept active and, and to be fighting back home very regularly. So I hope to fight here once or twice a year. Um, and that's something I'll be pushing for. So I'll I'll get on to him ASAP. Carmagal Quivin, and thank you very much. It's been brilliant and uh, really enjoyed having you today on the Rocky Road. No problem at all. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Thank you to you and Simon. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware.